0: Welcome to the I'm a Health
1: Visitor podcast. We want to help health visitors stay up to date, so we're here to give evidence-based information and insight into relevant practice issues. We're currently
0: supported by the CPHVA Education Development Trust, McQueen Bursary.
1: Hi, it's Jenny here. And Amy here. Hello. Hi. Um... So we thought we'd do one of our dive behind the headlines and um, podcast this week, yeah. Um, because there was a really massive headline that broke the other week, wasn't it? It actually sort of we mm-hmm. we saw it and we're talking about it during a recording session, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, and Amy did what Amy does best and was able to really um look into what was behind the headline, look into the proper study yeah. and things, um. And because it was such an amazing, jaw-dropping headline, wasn't it? It was about SIDS. Big claims, yeah. And this massive claim that there was this um, biomarker that would show babies who were more at risk of experiencing SIDS. And the way it was reported almost suggested that almost all other safe sleep advice could be abandoned because it was really binary as to if you have this marker or you don't have this marker... Um, Yeah. And I mean it it felt a bit too good to be true. Um Yes. What have you found, Amy? (laughs) Well, you know what they say, Jen? If it feels too good to be true,
0: it probably is. Yeah. Um, Look, this is good news. This is a really good piece of research. Um, and I think what I would say is the headline is cautiously optimistic. Okay, so if they have made good progress, this is an important finding for sure. Um, but in terms of abandoning other safe sleep advice, we're not, that's not what this is. You know, no. that's not what this is. Okay. We still do need to make Take Sid's precautions. Um, I think, shall I go through kind of what it is that they're suggesting, what it is that they found, and then we can talk about what it isn't yes, afterwards? Yes, that would be the best way.
1: That would be wonderful, yeah.
0: So we've got at the minute in Sid's um, research, the best current model that we have for understanding SIDS is called the triple risk model okay? okay and this is something that's been established for a long time now so i think 94 is the reference i've got for it yes. and i'll put that reference in the yeah. um, in the
1: podcast notes so for people this is uh, filiano et al isn't it or, or filiano and kinney the one. actually
0: Kinney. For some reason, yeah, yeah. I, thought,
1: I thought there was a longer list of names there and I said it at all, and it was like, oh, no, there's just <laughs> the one. I, I can name both of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's basically saying that SIDS happens as a result of a perfect storm of three factors. So first factor is a vulnerable infant, so something about the infant itself that makes them extra vulnerable.
1: And could that um, be both then... health or social conditions? Um is it the impact um that's more environment?
0: like well, I mean it's a I suppose it depends on because obviously there's epigenetic influences, so your environment would influence your genes, but mm. I think that's really talking about you know something the infant is born bringing to the table I see okay so like a genetic or a biomarker so this this study is looking at that factor that factor one um the second factor is a critical developmental period for homeostatic control so basically what they're saying there is there's a specific age range where infants are at more risk of SIDS um, and then the third one is an exogenous stressor. So that's something like an environmental trigger. So things like infection, um, maybe an apnea, perhaps CO two rebreathing
1: if oh, they're okay. you know so, in
0: a position where they're breathing the same air over and over so again. This is
1: where that, that's almost where the sort of the environment has that bigger stress. So potentially if you're that's living if factors. you're living somewhere with substandard um sleep arrangements, maybe somewhere. Yeah. With- mould and things like that,
0: you know, sort of all the environmental. Possibly yeah. okay. Yeah. Um there is also a complication, which is that obviously some of the environmental stuff um can get lumped in with SIDS but isn't actually about SIDS. So that's things like, you know, suffocation, for example, is a different cause of death. Yeah. So that's not SIDs, that's suffocation. And that wouldn't be marked as a SIDS. That would be marked as a suffocation. Okay, so yeah. It's not everything that's environmental, but that is one of the three factors. Okay, so that's the the current best model, the triple risk model for SIDS. Um this study is looking at factor one, okay. So, um and I'm gonna take you back to your biology now. Oh okay. okay.
1: You didn't warn me about okay. this.
0: Okay. Get ready. Okay, there's right. a lot of long words. I'm going to do my best to pronounce them. So you'll remember
1: acetylcholine um, or acetylcholine? It rings a bell. I think we went on a date, but they never called me again. <laughs> <laughs> Not it's actually quite, that pain, one. quite painful seeing the, the name down there again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no. It's a neurotransmitter. So it's the main um neurotransmitter for the parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, so okay. parasympathetic nervous system is your rest and digest. Sympathetic is um fight and flight. It, so it's important for both the parasympathetic yeah. and the sympathetic. Um, but it is the main the main neurotransmitter for the parasympathetic nervous system. So that's the one that Allows you to calm down, um, gets your digestive system running. It's activated when you're nice and relaxed. So yeah. sleep, obviously, relevant for that.
1: Indeed.
0: So this acyltol- acyltol- <laughs> I told you. Acety- acetylcholine yeah. is hydrolyzed. So that basically means broken, broken down. down and yeah. deactivated at the synapse, by two different enzymes. Okay, so you've got this um, acetylcholine in your brain. It's a major transmitter for the rest and digest nervous system. And at the synapse, it's broken down and deactivated by two different enzymes. ACHE
1: and BCHE. Yeah. (laughs) We'll put the long names in the show notes in the blurb at the end. (laughs) Thank you for saving me from
0: that. Um, so the level of those two enzymes obviously then changes the levels of acetylcholine in the brain. Okay. Okay. And that then obviously impacts on parasympathetic nervous system function. Because if there's more of these enzymes, um, there's less acetylcholine because it's broken down more. I see. Right. So that impacts the um, the action of the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: so that's what you need to know about the biology the headline of this study is that it found significantly lower levels of bche in blood spot samples um after birth you know the two to four days blood spot mm. um in infants who had died of sids compared to age and gender matched controls wow so
1: they were able to yeah, go so- back to the the sort of the, the blood spot test and actually analyse those samples.
0: That's yeah. amazing. So, Given that
1: they're dried blood, you'd always think that yeah. they wouldn't be able to get that much from them. I
0: know. Yeah, and that is something that we'll come to actually when we talk about kind of caveats and stuff. But um, if essentially that is what they're finding, that there was a significant difference between the infants who died of SIDS compared to infants that had obviously survived. Um, in that particular enzyme okay wow. so yeah I mean the the kind of maximum that this might mean is that it could be a measurable biological marker of that individual infant's vulnerability however I'm going to come back to that because there isn't, you know, we don't necessarily know for sure um, that we're going to be able to translate this into a test that we could use, okay? But, yeah, um, and even if we could, we, we don't know how big of a proportion of SIDS deaths this might relate to. So, for example, there is another cause that's been um, found in the research, which is arrhythmia due to channelopathies, Okay. OK, and the suggestion is that that might account for around 10 percent of SIDS cases. So wow. there's a suggestion that this might possibly, you know, in the future with more work, this might possibly lead to something similar to that. So this isn't, you know, 100 percent. So 100%. many pins I'm
1: mentally sticking in for us to discuss
0: further
1: <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the main thing that they're
0: saying, yeah um, ...that this study has found, which, as I say, is a big step forward. It is important, really important.
1: Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I suppose we talk about some of the kind of methodology... ...and some of the caveats with it a little bit.
1: I mean, I can see... So, it's interesting, actually, because I think... I, I really like sort of discussing these with you... ...because I find, and I'm sure lots of other people do... I'm someone who will always go, oh, I can't really do research papers. And even though we've studied research as part of our um, training and things, it's something where, yeah, there are many things I would rather do than look at a research paper. Yeah. I'm I'm someone who <laughs> I enough. read the abstract and then I skip to the conclusions and the discussions <laughs> and then go back into it from there with that knowledge already, almost looking for the bits that they've highlighted to then kind yeah. of be like, oh, yeah, I see that. and see that um but it's interesting when i talk through it with you and there's already things that you've mentioned that i'm like oh so i think i suppose one of the big things with it being a retrospective study you know they were looking at the results for babies who they knew had already died and then trying to match up so it was it there are issues with how they got their sample i guess yeah, well,
0: it's, I mean, it's really challenging, really challenging. You can imagine there's a huge number of methodological difficulties in identifying blood spots that belong to infants who later died of SIDS. I mean, obviously, there's a very small number of them, thank goodness, um, but also there's quite a lot of complexity in terms of the classification of the deaths, um, and there is a lot of muddiness kind of in that so it does make it harder to interpret the yeah. data and harder for them to conduct the um actually, the research so for example
1: what was the sorry circles? i just realized actually we're not even considered how big the yeah, sample size so, was
0: yeah so this is a case control study okay so You might remember from your research module days, folks, that that basically means they find the cases that they're interested in and then they look for controls that are as similar as possible to the cases you're interested in. okay. okay. So in this case, they took um, 26 SIDS cases and compared them with matched controls, and then they also took 26 non-SIDS infant deaths and compared them with matched controls. Right.
1: And I suppose they that, okay. that thing of well, what are their criteria for matching the control with the case as well and what elements are they looking at? Are there any elements that they're not looking at to match them as well? Yeah, well, I mean, they did as
0: good a job as I think you can yeah. And um, because oh, also no, there's only a certain limited amount of data available on you've only got the blood spot. Data and quite tricky to match them up necessarily with the right infant. Um, But they were mostly looking at date of birth um, and gender to match the the cases up. Um, And then they did a conditional logistic regression. Um, So they found an interaction between the enzyme BCHE, which is the one we're just talking about. Um, that's important for the parasympathetic nervous system, and the cause of death, SIDS Mm. or non-SIDS. So there was a difference between the non-SIDS deaths and the SIDS deaths in terms of this enzyme. Blimey. So... Then when they did separate regression models, they found that the SIDS was associated with lower numbers of BCHE. So again, that's correlation, not causation. So So we don't know that lower numbers of BCHE causes SIDS deaths. What we know is that there is a, a correlation between the levels of BCHE and SIDS deaths. Lovely. Yeah.
1: Well, not lovely, but yes.
0: <laughs> you understanding <laughs> yeah no i understand um, so it is a small number so it's only 26 sids cases so they are small numbers but then again you know they they got a significant difference so normally the one of the reasons small numbers is a problem in the research is because that we're not going to have sufficient statistical power yeah to identify a difference but here they really did find a very significant difference wow. Um, so and then the the stats were quite convincing so that's really really good yeah
1: um,
0: it is only one study and they did need to exclude a lot of the samples for various different reasons um, so it does need replicating you know as with all things we can't just take it as red because one study we do have a big issue with replication in, in science yeah. generally um, so we have to show that we can repeat this and find yes. the same results
1: yeah and I see as well it suggests that some of the samples were collected over a five year period. So there's that concern yeah. about how old the sample was.
0: Yeah, so that is one of the that is one of the kind of caveats and things to be aware of. Um and they point that out themselves in terms of a limitation of the study. Um but again, it would have to be quite a long time period because we don't have huge numbers of SIDS deaths, thank goodness. Yeah um so you know you do have to look back over a long time all of these things are necessitated really by the topic that at studying it's never going to be the most perfect rct you know no yeah um but but equally that does we do have to use a pinch of salt when we're interpreting the results as a because of that
1: yes
0: okay so yeah so it's it's got you know some challenges with that um One of the big things that I think was quite important is that we've only got information on the enzyme levels at day two to four of life. Right.
1: And yet, what was the average age of the babies when they they died? 15.7 weeks. Right, yeah. Quite a lot can happen in that time, can't it?
0: We don't know what happens to the enzymes you know as they get older and that would be important um supportive information to kind of add to this research um again the blood samples are peripheral blood they're taken from the newborn blood spots so that doesn't necessarily tell us what the levels are in the brain
1: and actually something which has just struck me thinking about the the study group and the control the controls Mm. were also infants who had died yeah there wasn't another. Somewhere. There wasn't another control. No, there was. Oh, there was a control group of babies who were still alive and well. Yeah. So they matched. So they matched twenty-six kids'
0: SIDS cases and compared them with um, matched controls, so well babies that had survived. And then they took twenty-six non-SIDS deaths I see. and compared them with matched controls.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah
0: so that they were able to say that this isn't just something that's associated with infant death, it's something that's associated with this specific type of infant death, this specific cause of death, if you like. Although, you know, if you're calling SIDS a cause of death, because essentially SIDS just means we haven't got a cause of death, doesn't it?
1: And is it also possible, I mean, given that blood spot samples are are from the heel, and so it's quite a Mm. peripheral blood sample exactly is yeah. there going to be something else happen- you know are there likely to be higher levels in different parts of the body
0: well i mean we don't know i think that's one thing that would be important to know what the levels are in the brain um all of this is essentially it's a really interesting piece of work which is going to stimulate a lot more research i'm very sure yeah. we need to know what the levels of those enzymes or that enzyme does Later, you know, as it gets closer to that that danger chronology that vulnerable time yeah. period in terms of the infant's age. Um, we also need to know what the levels are in the brain. Um, we also need to know what the levels are of the other enzymes. So if you remember, I said that acetylcholine was broken down by two different enzymes at yes. the synapse. Yeah. One is B-A- BCHE, which is the one they've measured in this study. The other one is ACHE. Now, ACHE, they couldn't test for in blood spots tests so that's why oh. they didn't measure for that in this study because they can't they can't use the blood spots no to test for that right And um, but that might be something interesting to look at in another study definitely yeah and
1: because um, i mean because obviously studies like this i mean the funding and everything mm-hmm. for them is huge and it's one of those things where often mm. you have there has to always be some kind of vaguely commercial interest in funding mm. them and so, mm, you know, yeah. how, how did this study come out? Is there someone with a bit of interest around it? That's... Yeah, yeah. So
0: this research was funded by crowdfunding. Um, wow. Following an an infant death.
1: Oh, blimey.
0: And really sadly, the primary investigator of the study is a bereaved parent herself. <gasps> oh, my word. I know, I know. So I think this really shows how important this research is to people. Well, yeah. Um, it's yeah. you know it's clearly, and I think that's been really obvious from the headlines and from the way it's been you know reported and interpreted. Um, everyone is desperate for hope in this area because yeah. it is everybody's worst well, you, nightmare you just want as a parent. Answers,
1: don't you? It's um yeah, you can completely yeah, so, understand. Yeah that need for knowledge that need and especially if you are if you are a scientist as well yourself then yes it's exactly. that thing it, you're it's gonna want you that answer yeah oh my word so yeah but i think
0: hopefully what this is going to mean is that now we have this finding there will be some more independent funding there may be some research council funding that would be available that's more um yeah independent yeah um, and hopefully then because we know that that is obviously the best way the most objective way that we can do science is to try and have independent funding that's not um doesn't have any interest in either proving or disproving their hypothesis either way um obviously i'm not suggesting for a second that there was anything wrong with the way they've done their research and i'm sure that this person has Crossed every I and dotted every T. I'm not yeah. suggesting for a second they haven't. No, yeah. uh, all I'm saying is that, you know, we know that we get the best objective results when we have funding entirely independent of the outcome. We don't care what the outcome is. We just want to answer the research question.
1: Yeah. So,
0: um, it would be great if this now, this important piece of research now stimulates more research um, yeah. that, that we can kind of use to um, build a, a really clear picture of exactly what does happen and how yeah. it happens. And this
1: might be a, perhaps a springboard for that, so that's great. Cool. Um, it, it, I was going to say, is there anything that comes out in the research? Because I mean, you know, if they were to make this a standard test, for those infants where the level was lower than expected... I mean what what can be done? Would it be as simple as adding well, exactly. some sort of a supplement or Right. So this is another problem, really,
0: and this is why we have to have some caution around this. Um we don't actually know whether we can change anything that would make a difference. So oh, um, you know, some people say that actually having the information is all very well and good. But actually, even if we could develop a test for this enzyme, and I can come back to developing a test for it in a second because that is far from a simple thing. But if we could develop a test for it, um, should we? Because um, yeah. actually, every test has false positives and false negatives.
1: Yes. Um, the okay.
0: danger would be that if you did a false positive that would terrify the parents unnecessarily obviously anxious and, and clearly you know that's going to be horrific a false negative you know you may well um, lead to them disregarding SIDS advice and thinking their baby's immune to SIDS and then yeah. sleeping in more high risk positions yeah and even if you had a true positive or a true negative you might still get those negative you know consequences yeah um and A true positive wouldn't necessarily help us to know what we can do to prevent that baby dying. No. So we might now know that they're more high risk. Uh
1: And I suppose
0: you could say that we could then attempt to be more to try and concentrate on the other two factors to reduce the risk of that, you know, triple factor perfect storm that we were talking about. Um, if you know that the individual vulnerability is high, then perhaps you could focus on the other two to try and reduce those. But yeah, um, you know you can't do anything about the age; they're going no. to grow, they're yeah. going to go through that age. It's
1: interesting. And thinking...
0: children do get infections. Yeah. Things do happen.
1: Yeah, it's interesting thinking about the false negatives and the false positives. Cause I think especially after the last couple of years, with natural mm. flow tests and PCR tests mm. becoming sort of commonplace. Um, I mm. feel like we're all more aware of the false positives and false negatives um, than we would have been yeah. before. Yeah. And that's another
0: thing is, you know, developing a test for it. So for this study, what they're doing is they're testing proteins, okay, which are really useful indicators at a group level. Um, So when you're looking at a group of samples, but they're no good for screening. So if you yeah. look in, in this study, for example, um, Although the averages from the two groups are significantly different, so 7.7 versus 5.6. Yes. There is actually a huge amount of variability within those groups. So for healthy newborns, it ranged from 1.7 to 23.3 units per milligram. Oh. And for for the infants that died of SIDS, it ranged from 2.9 to 10.8. Oh. So it's there were infants that... in the healthy group that had lower numbers than some of the infants in the it's... SIDS yeah. deaths group. It's
1: interesting that the healthy group had a much wider range. Yes,
0: yeah, true. You'd yeah, expect yeah. there
1: to be some level of, of parity there, wouldn't you? Yeah, and there is muddiness in the data.
0: You know, there were some infants in one group that looking at their enzyme levels you would have predicted that they were in the other does that make sense so it isn't a clear picture it isn't um as incontrovertible as it's been sort of suggested does that make sense no
1: definitely yeah yeah. So
0: for that and that's one of the reasons that big overlap in the difference the within group variability um, is one of the reasons why it's really difficult to make a screening test for because yeah. you can't for a screening test you have to be really precise with that obviously. Yeah.
1: I wonder if um, the finding you mentioned around the arrhythmias whether that has some more significance because I think before mm. there have been calls for more screening of cardiac issues in in babies and young children haven't there Mm. i wonder if that Mm. could almost give a bit more weight to that argument because of that fact there are so many completely hidden cardiac problems Mm. um i I I don't don't... know that's a good question yeah Yeah. question for another episode
0: perhaps to look into cardiac screening yeah that might be an interesting one to cover um so yeah, so I think look, what I would say is there's a news article here that I can link to in the um in this in the episode notes. Um and it says this is just to illustrate the problem with the um the problem interpretation yeah. of this result, okay. It says, previously, parents were told SIDS could be prevented if they only took proper precautions. Laying babies on their back, not letting them overheat and keeping all toys and blankets out of the crib are a few of the most important preventative steps. Importantly, they still are, as there's no test for this biomarker.
1: But then I wonder how far into the article you have to go to get that chunk. Well, and, and also...
0: That suggests, that quote suggests that the biomarker might replace the safe sleep advice, which is extremely unlikely. So if you look at SIDS deaths over time, um, once we started changing sleep positioning and doing a lot of the sensible safe sleep precautions that we've been talking about for decades... Those numbers have since really dropped down off a yeah. cliff. You know, they, they made a huge public health impact, um, and we've really prevented a lot of infant deaths with that advice. Yeah. Um, then, then, now what we've got is a stabilising, so a levelling out. So, what we believe we're left with now are the deaths that perhaps we're doing everything right but we're still getting some SIDS deaths so there is still something that is causing those deaths and we don't quite know exactly what that is okay that's what the science is trying to figure out but that does not mean that it's okay to just abandon all SIDS precautions because then we would get the levels going back up to where they were before does that make sense yeah completely Exactly. So that's the danger really. So if you have parents who are asking you about this or you know talking about it um in clinic or when you go to do the new birth visit or whatever it's really important to emphasize that although this is a good step forward um we're far from having a test for it yet yeah. even if we did have a test for it we wouldn't necessarily know what we could change yeah. um and this is one single study with 26 um samples so it's not a big um study it needs replicating and it, it needs a lot more backing up from yeah. other similar work in the area because it is brand new you know this idea
1: yeah They're completely so
0: really important and hopefully we get loads more I'd love it if we could come back in a few years and do another one and say you know all this new research has been stimulated oh, because God, I'm sure yeah. it will be now yeah, definitely
1: yeah. And hopefully we take big steps forward. You know, yes, the, that would be wonderful. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Amy. That's been really useful to uh, to clarify <laughs> the uh, the actual sort of research and the actual findings behind the headline. I hope you found yeah, it useful hope. as well. Um, hope so do let us know if there's anything you've seen in the the news that. Um, we might have missed or just not even um, seen but not realised um, how much interest there would be in covering it, let us know. Um, you can email us, I am a health visitor at gmail.com, or you can ping us on our Facebook page, I am a health visitor or even via Instagram or Twitter, at iamahv. And um, yeah, we'll speak to you again soon. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Speak to you again soon. Thank you all. Take care. Bye. Bye.